Good evening, everyone. Good evening, good evening, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche School Podcast. Um, I just want to say a couple of things before I start. It's quarter past nine. It's This, this podcast is usually recorded on a Tuesday, um, and it's recorded on a Tuesday because that's when Steve is um, available to do it, and it's like Wednesday morning his time. Usually I do this at 11 p.m. Today I'm doing it a little bit earlier, and I'm doing it at 9 p.m. And the reason why I'm doing it earlier is because Ajmal's here. Hi, Ajmal. Hello. So yeah. that surprised everyone, didn't it? Everyone was waiting for me to say, Steve's here. <laughs> and I fooled everybody. And some of you are probably saying, where's Steve? What happened? Did you kick him out? Um, what's happening? Uh, nothing's happening. Uh, Steve had, uh, had something else come up at the last minute. Ajmal was going to be on this, this podcast episode today because it is the number 100. It's the 100, the 100 the 100, Ajmal, it's 100 episodes. Ajmal just actually queried me then. He said, is it, um, are you sure it's 100? It's like I had to think very quickly, but it is 100. Um, so we, we, we have made it. Um, well, I did, I, I did think um, everyone's going to think, you know, like when you go to the theatre and there's going to be a big star and you get there, you sit down and it starts and you realise it's the understudy. <laughs> I kind of yeah, feel like that I now. <laughs> Don't you hate that? We saw, we, we saw a play in London once and we were expecting, I forget who it was. And we're expecting some famous star, like I think it was an American star. And you go there, and it's like they're not—they're not playing. You know what I mean? They're not in the in the play that night. It's like what? Only happened to us once, where we went to see Hamlet, and instead of it being David Tennant, it was his understudy. And you know, we'd gone the rave reviews. They'd even televised it, and it was amazing. And we thought, yeah, we have to go and see that. We went there, and you know, when you you get the the program at the beginning, and you just think you're kind of angry and you got and then you sit there all the way through quite angry yeah i know i mean i have to say that's one thing that i really um i really enjoy about london i really do enjoy i don't really enjoy musicals um my wife enjoys musicals i don't really enjoy them but i really do enjoy going to the theater and i've seen you know over the years we've seen so many great uh great plays with so many you know famous people i should say you know what i mean and it's it's such an experience when you're in london going to these theaters these little theaters and sitting there and it's you know the sets i mean i'm always interested in the design of the sets and everything like that and it's just it's one of the things i love about london actually that whole theater thing you know it really is an enjoyable thing to do there's this and there's so much available uh, so much of it available and you can join groups and things like that where they give you early tickets and you can get preview I, i remember going to see warhorse that was great. I saw that was one of the that was a great play, wasn't it? Those it those puppets, we those horses. Yeah. Well, we went to a preview, so you could get early tickets, and it, and they were kind of trialing the puppets. And I'm very aware that this is a Porsche podcast. Yeah, I know, but it's interesting. That's <laughs> a great play. It was a great play, but the thing is, um, because it was uh, a preview, and they were trialing a lot of the 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 puppets, and uh, the horse's leg fell off. Oh, really? <laughs> did and they had to come out and apologize take a break while they took went away and put it together and I, I felt like it really added to it because yeah. when you're there you know that's what you're there for i don't know what year that was that play it was quite a few years ago right i remember we were in yeah, covent Gar- we were in covent garden tasha and i my wife and we like we wanted to go and see it and we couldn't get tickets there were no tickets available and the theater was just there in covent garden i said and it was mid afternoon i said let's just go to the box office and just yep. see <laughs> Right, and just by chance, there were two seats, and they were at the front. They weren't cheap, and it was like, "Yep, okay, let's just do it." And it Brilliant. was fantastic. It was such a you know such a great thing to see. 
Yeah, but I mean, the, the puppetry uh, animatronics or whatever you call it, it was, yeah, was amazing. Yeah. Anyway, Porsche podcast, not a theatre podcast. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I know a lot of people are listening going, what are you talking about? <laughs> Ajmal, what are you talking about? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so um, what are we going to start with? We're going to start with, I just want to start with the usual, and I want to start with um, just doing a shout-out to, actually, there's no Patreon members this, this week. There's no new Patreon members. Sorry, I forgot. I've actually got my old notes in front of me, and I've got, that's a new member. There was no one that joined Porsche Cooled on Patreon. Um, I had a couple of people ask me during the week, how do I join it? Um, maybe I'm not so clear when I say this. You just have to go to patreon.com, um, patreon.com slash Porsche Cooled, or you just search uh, Porsche Cooled on Patreon, and then you just have to log in, and then you can sign up, and you can become a member and help support the podcast. Um, it's pretty easy. It just comes out every month. You can do $2, $5, or $10. Um, but anyway, I just want to thank everyone that's done that so far. It's been a really big help. Um, Porsche Cooled Owner Stories, Ajmal. Um, Tuesday, uh, today, which just came out. I mean, we're recording this early, as everyone knows. But today, the uh, Owner Stories came out with Simon. And Simon actually found me through you. Oh, um, I, I do know. Pig monkey. You mean. Yeah, pig monkey. Um, and we've interacted quite a lot. And uh, I mean, he's got some very witty uh, comments that he puts across. And I quite like some of the stuff that he puts up, but I've not been able to listen to it yet. Yeah, so I had a good chat with Simon. Uh, we talked about his um, 996. He's got a 996 like you, but he's got a point two uh, Carrera 4S. Yeah. Uh, it's in it's in a unique color, actually. It's in polar silver. Um, and polar silver was, I always remember it as being a 993 color, a Porsche 993 color. And it was at the time, I think when he said he looked at his uh, option list, it was actually like a Porsche exclusive color or something for the 996. Um, but he bought a 996.2 Carrera 4S. It's his first Porsche. Um, you know, he, he's got a good story. I mean, his love of cars came from, you know, he was reading car magazines. His cousin gave him a whole lot of car magazines. Uh, I think it was in the 80s, he said. I think it was 80s, Simon. Um, Simon was telling me that he, um, his friend used to buy and sell cars, sometimes Porsches, and he had the opportunity Ooh. of going to Glasgow with his friend and picking up these two Porsches and he had to drive one back. And that was his wow. first time he ever drove a 911 Ajmal. And it was in the rain <laughs> during winter. And he had <laughs> oh, to drive no. in a Targa as well, in a Targa. He Oops. had to drive 250 miles back to, um, to home. So he said that was like his, uh, his baptism of fire, so to speak, <laughs> of uh, Porsche experience. Um, but it's a good story. He's had, you know, Simon's had a really a, a great range of really good driver's cars. He's had like a Sirocco Mark One uh, GTI. He's had a oh uh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what we've I mentioned to him. Yes, because I've had uh, you have a one? Sirocco Mark One Storm. Yeah, they're, they're really good cars, right? Really good yeah, driver's cars. I, I, yeah, I only sold mine in 2016. Okay, they've gone up in price them. too, haven't they? Oh, ridiculously so. Mm. I, I sold mine. I sold it. I put it on a forum uh, on really? uh, a Wednesday evening because I just wanted rid of it because I had no garage space for it and they just rust away like crazy. I put it on a forum saying I wanted X amount for it. and some guy Did you ask enough for it? Uh, I, I obviously didn't because the guy turned up the next day and took it. <laughs> so it was cheap. <laughs> didn't hang, didn't he's like, this guy has, he's probably going, this guy that's selling this has no idea what <laughs> he's sitting on. Well, he phoned me and he said, look, I'll give you a deposit over the phone now and or I'll transfer it to you right now. And I went, no, it's fine. Look, I'll manage to put it up. Come over tomorrow. And he's, first thing next morning, he was saying, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> 
Ajmal, that's the first sign that you've actually advertised it too low. You know that, don't yeah. you? When someone wants to give you all the money now, take all my money before you sell it I know. to someone else. And he didn't he didn't haggle or anything on the price. He just went, yeah, there you go. And I mean, I thought I was pricing it quite well, but right, right. Um, They're a nice was... looking car, you know. I had I did a search for it because I couldn't remember exactly how they look, what they looked like because I don't. We didn't have them in Australia. We didn't have those no. in Australia. No. So I had to look at it, and then I thought, ah, oh, yeah, I remember this from the, when I used to look at the English car mags and stuff. Um, but Simon's also – he also owned an RS2000, which was another great, great car. You know what I mean? Which he, These he, were cars of my youth. Yeah, I know. They're another great car. Um, same generation, you know. Um, yep. And then he had a Renault 5 GT Turbo, oh, another God. great car. I, know. I did lust after one of those. Yeah, I know. He's gone. Simon had, has gone through all these – it gets better. I kept this one for last. <laughs> he also had a UR Quattro. Audi UR Quattro. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. What? Yeah. That's oh, what I mean. Um, that is a nice some list. That's it's like a, a really, bucket list. It's, it's a really good story. Uh, I had a good chat with Simon. It was really enjoyable. I mean, I only edited that podcast, you know, a day before it had to go up. I just, because I've been caught up and I haven't really been keeping up on my editing. And I edited the podcast and it's, it was enjoyable to listen to. It's a really good story. Go and check it out. Like I said, it's Porsche Cool Donor Stories this week. It's Simon. His Instagram is uh, pig underscore monkeys underscore Porsche. So give him a follow there. And his YouTube channel, if you just search... You just search pig monkey, actually. I just searched, I searched pig monkey Porsche, Porsche, Porsche. I just did it in Google and then it came up with these videos. Um, so go over there, give him a, give him a follow and um, tell him that you uh, heard his story on Porsche Cool. Um, and also Simon has now an Integra Type R as well with his um, 996. Oh, wow. That's uh, <clears throat> a bit of a departure. That's a 90s. Yeah. It's the second yeah. one he's owned, apparently. I think it's the second one he said he's owned. Because that went a bit under the radar, didn't it? Because yeah. Civic Type R kind of took all the glory. Yes, yes, yes. Um, oh, interesting. But anyway, interesting. Um, <clears throat> sorry, Ashma. Well, let me just get through this. Apple ratings and reviews. I'd just like to say thank you to everyone that's been putting the reviews, uh, giving us the reviews on Apple. There's been a lot, actually, over the past couple of weeks. Um, it's really jumped up. Um, Apple reviews. You know, honestly, there's a lot of podcasts out there. I know that Porsche Cooled is inspiring a lot of people to do Porsche podcasts. There's a lot of people in the, in the, in the space now. Um, so if you can give us a review, if you can give us a rating on Apple, if you can follow us on any of the podcast platforms that you, uh, that you listen to us on, that's, all that stuff helps. It all gets us found in these algorithms that we really don't know what they are, but they're, they're there and they, and they do actually bring... They do actually bring people together or they put us further away. I mean, that's how it works with this social stuff. So all the reviews are greatly appreciated. Um, I'm going off track. I know. I'm sorry. I'm going to get back on track very shortly. A couple of uh, – so the reviews. Uh, the first one, relevant stuff about 9-11s from Enthusiast. Um, I really enjoy listening to you. Stephen Owner's stories. I can't wait to get my first 9-11. And that was from West Coast Chris uh, from Canada. So thank you, Chris. The other one is Porsche owners, Porsche owner must listen, uh, probably checking off all the cliches here, but here we go, very down to earth and chill vibes in a podcast by a bunch of true enthusiasts. If you own or aspire to own a Porsche, this one should be free on your list, especially love of, of owner stories. And that's from Casper via Apple Podcasts in the Netherlands. So thank you very much for that. So thanks for the reviews. Ajmal, you know, I reached out to you and I will tell the listeners, I reached out to you, was it a week ago? No, two weeks ago, wasn't it? That's right. I yep. put it off. And I said, you know, do you want to come on the podcast again? Um, I always love when you're on here because we always have a good chat and, and, you know, it's easy. You know, you and it's, it's, we're, we're 
we just get on. It's just easy to t- easy to talk to you. And I thought it's a great it would be a great idea to have uh, the three of us on here, the trio, Steve, you and me, do a three way, so to speak, on the podcast talking about Porsche. Um, it's unfortunate Steve can't be here today, but I'm glad you're here. So thank you for um, for coming on the 100th episode. And I just want to tell everyone that's listening, if they don't know who Ajmal is, Ajmal is the flat cap driver. Uh, the flat cap driver is, uh, you can find him on YouTube to search flat cap driver. Uh, he's got a Porsche 912. He's got a Porsche 996. Uh, he's probably going to have another one shortly. If truth be known, he's probably out there searching no. for something, something else. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, what else do you own? Oh, you're um, MG. Uh, yeah, I've got 1968 MGB Roadster, and I sometimes I'm allowed to drive my wife's Golf R. Golf R. So you've got a good car collection there, actually. You've got a four-car garage. I can't believe it. You've got four cars. I know. My, yeah, much to my wife's disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... 100th episode today, like I said, Ajmal's come on to celebrate. I'm glad he's here. But I just want to say, I just want to go, I just want to say, you know, I'm getting all tongue-tied today, sorry. I just want to say thanks to all you guys because, honestly, um, sometimes it's not easy uh, pushing out, as so to speak, or, or, or creating two episodes a week. Uh, it takes a long time. Um, it's because of you guys, because of the audience, because of the listeners, you know, that it's, it's got to this number. Um, I look at other podcasts that are out there, hundreds a lot. It really is, Ajmal, it's a lot. I mean, some of these podcast series yep. are 10 episodes maybe, you know, and they're three seasons at 10 episodes. So I can't really believe it because I remember when it was 50 and I thought, let me tr- keep going and let me try to get it to, to 100. Um, and I remember saying that to Steve and um, so now we're here. Um, but it's been a crazy year. Um, from when I decided to continue this podcast too, which was only, you know, the first episodes I put up were in December, tw- in late 2019, I think, Ajmal, I put in a few episodes wow. up and then I left it <clears throat> and then lockdown happened. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was in Bahrain. Lockdown was happening. We didn't have to go into the office because it was closed. So I was doing work from home. So then I decided to start the podcast again and that's where it all started. And then as you guys know, I talked Steve into it. Steve came on board, which has been great. Uh, my friend from Sydney has a GT3. So I say thank you to Steve as well for like uh, being this, being the co-host and, and, and doing these episodes because I know sometimes it's been difficult to, to get the time and to arrange it. But what I really want to say thank you to Ajmal is all of the owners, you know, all of the owners that have been on Owner Stories, you included, of course, you were in one of the earlier episodes um, because this podcast and then the success of this podcast is really down to the owner's stories. Um, everybody, I get so many DMs on Instagram from people saying they really love the podcast, they love the owner's stories. I see it in the reviews, people love the owner's stories. And I think that's, I think that's what's good about Porsche, Porsche Cooled, um, you know, because the podcast did come about from my love of, of Porsche and the love of the community and just chatting to people with my very small YouTube channel and with P997.1 and people asking me about my wheels, Ajmal, and people asking me about my exhaust and what stripe, you know, and I know what it's like when you, when you first come into the brand, it's, it's kind of a bit weird. You feel like, you know, there's so much information out there and you don't know what is good and what is bad. And it's good to have these people around. And I know you've met so many people from being on the owner stories, right? So many people have now have contacted you. Absolutely. And I always feel like so I, I spoke to a couple of people. I think I was speaking to Jack, Flat Six Jack. Um, and there's 
Portugal is the glue that kind of binds us because we've all heard about each other on the Portugal podcast or what we've done is we've started following the Instagram account and then bizarrely in the south of England where I live there's a few of us really close together you know uh, Nick from the classic series Samba Lobster PJ Gibbons obviously Flatshoots Jack uh, Nick who's out west um, who's on the first one the first um, one, yeah, Nick, yeah. Yeah, and and we've all been talking about um, discussing, I probably haven't mentioned this to you, actually, uh, we've all been discussing that we should all meet up while you're still in the UK. Um, and lockdown is being relaxed, and, you know, we've been talking about venues where we can meet, where there's a big enough car park, where we can sit outside. Um, and uh, also, it's it's one of those where it's not... I feel, I feel like the Portugal podcast talks to me like... I'm one of those people who could be sat around the table talking to you um, because you're not talking about, well, I just got in my brand new GT3 that cost you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds or my yeah. uh, whatever vintage car and went for a drive in something in, and you, it's kept in my uh, lockup somewhere where I've got 50 other cars that are worth 20 million pounds. No, we're, we're like everybody listening. You know, we we have uh, a budget, we have storage issues, we have the same concerns about using them every day, uh, yeah. they break down, uh, all of those things. And we have day jobs that we have to juggle and we have family life. So I feel like it speaks to me at that level. And a lot of people, it's resonated with them that way. And I know I've used the word resonated now, you don't yeah. like. Resonate. It's a good marketing <laughs> word. <laughs> or or um, is it Steve that doesn't like it? We've brought it up before. I can't remember. It's one of those words. It's it's like um, that other word which I can never think of. Riff, riff. Let's riff. I don't know why I don't like let's riff. It's a very it, it, somehow it, it it annoys me. Let's riff. Anyway, um, just to, just to finish that exactly what Ajmal said, and you know this is the thing. You know, for me, you know, I seem I, I'm just a little Porsche guy. I'm not. I'm no one important. You know, I just have a nine nine seven. I only have one. You know, I know people, you know, think now I take too long to make up my mind, but you know, I'm like all of the, all of the owner stories, Ashmal, you know, like things, life gets in the way, things are happening and, and you know, what's happening with me. I told you before off recording and I don't really share it on the recording, but there's other things going on and, and things have to go on hold. And I think this is a common thread with owner stories and with Porsche ownership. You know, it is, it is something special. It, it is a luxury it is a toy no matter if you buy a cheap one or an expensive one and you know sometimes it's not easy to get there you know and i remember even on uh, youtube there was a guy that i used to talk to all the time when i was putting videos up and he was always wanting to get a 911 but he hadn't got one yet and you know years had passed and he was still trying to get there because he just couldn't get the money together to do it <clears throat> and those are the stories that you like to hear and then eventually when someone gets one like someone sent me a message today um, and I'm sorry, I can't remember your name, but someone sent me a message today on Instagram and I've, been, I've spoken to them briefly on and off. And, you know, they were looking at buying a Cayman S and he just bought the Cayman S and he sent me the picture of it. And those stories are great stories. You know what mm. I mean? It's just us normal guys finding a car, getting excited about it and sharing it with people who will understand. And I think that's what it's all about. No, I, I, I agree completely. And because that, that's the thing, it's having having a story in it and the thing, the, the community is quite self-deprecating and a lot of people think, well, actually, my story isn't very interesting. But they are, you know, because everybody's listening to them when they turn up on Porsche Cold and they're all thinking, and they all, I know they all say to you beforehand, well, why would anybody want to listen to that? 
but then they've been on and everybody's like, yes, that's me. Or, oh my God, look at that. Simon, look at his list of cars. It's like, I wish I was him. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's, 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 it's true. It's true. The two common threads, actually, what you just said, sorry, Ashmal, for interrupting. The two common threads are, you know, I never thought my story would be that interesting. Is, is, is it interesting enough, you know, to have on the podcast? And then the other thing at the end of the podcast, everyone, most people always say this to me. Wow, that hour went very quick. You know, they're always a bit, wor- everyone's a bit worried at first that they're not going to be able to talk for an hour about their car or about what, what their Porsche journey is. But as I always say to someone, someone when, whoever reaches out to me, I always say, you know, it does go quick. You'll find that it'll just, it'll go like that. You know, in fact, I have to stop you because it'll go over. Um, so, you know, it's always good. It's and always it, good fun. And I like that because obviously you help them navigate the story and the, the arc of their story. You know, you, you get them back to what was your first memory and you end with, you know, where they are now, where they hope to be next and tell me where you're going to go for the perfect drive if someone comes to visit. All right, everyone listening, we just lost uh, Ajmal's connection, just sort of dropped, dropped out, dropped out. For everyone listening today, if you're wondering, I'm really not making a lot of sense today. I know I'm, I'm a bit tired, so I apologize if I'm if I'm stuttering and getting a bit confused. Um, so yeah, 100th episode, Ajmal, we'll leave it there. Um, I just want to say cheers to everyone. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, unfortunately, nothing lasts forever and things have to change eventually. Um, change is always good. So we'll just see, uh, we'll see what happens in, in the future for Porsche Cool. I want to know about your 912 just very quickly. I think it'd be good to have an update. Uh, as I said, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't heard about Ajmal's story before, he's got a 912 that he bought um, very quickly, a blue one, and a 996. But let's talk about the 912 just quickly. Yes. The exhaust. The exhaust. How's that going? Because I know you said you were going to get the Dansk. Is that how you say yeah. it? Dansk. So, uh, I am going to get it, but uh, money's a bit tight at the moment. And also, I was very determined to try and get it running right. You know, on the scale and of things, that's a really small cost, right? Percentage-wise, it's a very small cost. It is. It's really <laughs> weird. And because I, 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 bizarrely, I, I've just ordered something that's arriving tomorrow. Um, I'll tell you about that in a sec. But um, so I've been really trying to concentrate on getting it running better. And I always thought, and just to be a bit nerdy, because I've been Googling lots, uh, when I would start it up, it would be fine. And as it warmed up, the idle speed would go up to 2000 RPM. Right. So I'd be sat in traffic, you know, and you know, I'd turn to the person next to me and they'd be yep. thinking, what is he doing? Yep. Um, and everywhere I'd read, it was, it was the timing. Um, okay. And the one day I actually thought I'm going to park it down a few, you know, uh, roads away from where I live, where it's a bit quieter. And I'm going to sit there with a spanner and try and adjust it. Uh, couldn't couldn't get it to work. Just did it one way, it would run rough. Just did it the other way, it would run rough. And then I, the vacuum advance, which is when you take the distributor cap off and twiddle the uh, the rotor. I'm, I'm going a bit nerdy here. Sorry, bear with me a second. But, Go on. But when so I thought I'll give it a twist anyway, just to check. So what was happening was when I first bought the car, it was stuck. And I right. spent a, a long time getting it unstuck. And when I first started driving it, I thought, oh, well, that's okay. Um, but what I didn't realize was when it was warming up and everything was expanding and all the gunk in there of 55 years was uh, heating up, it would get stuck again. Um, so I thought, okay, that's it. So uh, on the last weekend, I just got up on the Saturday morning and I went and took it apart. And bearing in mind, I know nothing about what I'm doing. I, I saw the image on your Instagram, actually. I saw that and I thought, that's very brave. 
well, I just started to take take bits off what I could see. And I didn't take the distributor out of the car. I thought about doing that, but I thought, no, I'll just do it there because it's held in place. And um, I took everything apart and it was just a mess down there. And there's a little, uh, what I thought was a piece of plastic that sits between the weights in there that control the advance and the body of the distributor. And it was covered in you know bits of worn metal and things like that and grease. And it was clogged up. So I took it out and I went to wipe it and it broke into four pieces. Oh, okay. And so I you thought, had to... I don't know. I, I thought, I don't even know what that is. Where do I get that from? <laughs> uh, so, so I did a, a little bit of Googling while I was sat in the garage. And I thought, I don't, I don't even know what that is. So what I did was, I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to grease, clean it up, grease it up, put it all back together. And while I'm Googling later, I'll just see what happens. So I, it's... Uh, a video actually that hasn't gone out yet that I've made, but I don't mind doing a spoiler alert here. It's where I took it out. And at first I thought, I, do you know what? I think I fixed it. I think it's fixed because it would. I was sat in traffic and it was idling brilliantly. And I thought that is it. That's exactly what the problem is. But obviously, as it heated up, the metal started to, the, the friction oh, okay. between the two metal surfaces got greater right. and greater. So how did um, you find the part then? How did you, how did you uh, work out what the part was? I had to look for a, a split diagram of the distributor. Right. And then look for the numbered item that I thought, oh, it's that. Okay. So and you have a then, 912 book with the part numbers in it? Do you have like a parts book? Uh, I do have uh, the there is one, right? manual thing. Yes, the workshop manual. Right. Uh, but I didn't look in there because I bought that more of a, as a display item because when I flicked through it, uh, all the text is blurred. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I looked online. I found the diagram. It took me a really long time to find the list of items that are numbered in the diagram. Right. And it is a, a sliding surface plate. It's, it's a really thin wow. Teflon slide. Yeah. That's in a certain shape. And then I thought, well, where am I going to buy that from? There was no kit available. I couldn't buy a new distributor, but they'd be hundreds of pounds. I saw second-hand distributors for 500 pounds that needed renovation. Um, And then I I found it on uh, Sierra Madre collection. All right. Yeah, that's a great site, isn't it? Yeah, on there. And it was a different color, slightly different shape. And I thought that's the only place I could find it. It's $5 coming from California. So the shipping so, is more than the, the part. Well, well, what I did was I ordered it along with something else. And, you know, my wheels, the Fuchs wheel center caps yeah. I've been after for a while. They, they sell the right ones, but they are, um, they're polished okay. rather than the matte silver ones. I yeah. thought, well, the wheels are kind of polished. Fuchs wheels are polished. Yeah. I'll buy those. And are, they, they cost something like $70 each. Really? Yep. So, so you've got them, you bought them? I bought them. They arrive tomorrow. Cool, cool. Uh, so the slip arrives tomorrow too. Oh, that's good. That's good. So it'll all be sorted. It's weird, you know, like I have these memories when I was a kid. Like my father used to have very old cars um, and he'd always, because we didn't have much money and he'd be always be trying to fix them. And the two things I remember he would be out in the yard fixing for a long time were spark plugs, using that little spark plug thing with the spacing and trying to work it out yeah. and the distributor. And I always remember it was like something that was never rectified and it was always one of those things. And I think maybe that's what's turned me off fixing cars because I've seen him try to, you know, fix cars so often and it's just, you know, he eventually got there, but it just took a long time to do it. Oh, yeah. It's, um, a, it's a bit of a labor of love kind of thing, but I, not for me. I find it as a necessity rather than having to trek all the way to a garage and leave the car there and come home. So now you've bought the 
the caps, does that mean you're not getting steelies anymore? Oh, no, I'm still getting steelies. Okay. Um, but I'm, I've now got and, – and I know you know about group four wheels on Instagram. Yes, yes I do. I see them all the still, time now. I don't understand why I, they, they keep coming up all the time. Like ads for them keep coming up too now. I, I know because they've just had uh, the steel with the aluminium wheels in that design arrive. And uh, do it. I, I really want them. them, but there's so much money. Just buy them. Buy them for summer. Present. I'd be thousand pounds. And then once you get just... the those tires, what are they called? Red Veredison. What are they called? Redistine. Oh, Redistine. Uh, Red yes, Steen. I don't know which ones you mean. But then, but then you're talking thousands of pounds just for those. And... Contact them. Contact the tire company and see if they give you sponsorship. Oh. <laughs> I do. That's gonna happen. You can you can promote them on the on the channel, um, yeah, um, and also the you know the other thing which I'm which I like the idea of is the racing dot racing dot which is is that a is that a meatball or is it a gumball or what do they call those uh, meatballs gumballs roundels there's so many yeah. names for those things what's I wonder what the correct name is did you put them on did you apply them uh, or that was just no, a mock up that was just a mock up where I taped it on. Um, it's the right size, so when you see the ones that have them on, um, but then and I, I, could, I couldn't shake the feeling that it should be bigger. Um, and then uh, Nick from Classic Series, he sent me a picture of one with a massive one on that was across multiple panels. Right. And I thought, right. that is what I'm after, because I did put it up on the back across the deck lid and the, and the side. Yeah, they need uh, to be quite it. large, don't they? Yeah. They, they do. Uh, so the one in the middle of the door would actually look fine. Uh, on the hood, I think Steve mentioned it last week, uh, it would look fine, even that size, if it was low on the hood at the front or yes. towards the top on, on one side across multiple yeah. panels. Um, but I feel like it's, I've made it into this big thing in my head where I should just stick it on and see, it doesn't matter, just rip it off. They're, they're like five pounds each. Yeah, yeah, you see them online. There's a lot of places selling them, right? Um, the other yeah. thing which is really cool, which always comes up on Instagram, are the seats. I'm sure you've seen those um, sites with the uh, yes. racing type seats. Some of them are so nice. I forget the guy's name. There's a guy that always does sponsored posts, and his seats are so so cool. It's carbon liveries. Yeah, they, they so, do them. I know. There's so many great seats, really. Yeah, um, but the that's tan just ones. There's tan. There's there's hands tooth, obviously. Yeah, the ones there's... with the holes, the perforated holes, yes. and and it's just a slippery, very very slippery slope. It is, and it's that's again thousands of pounds, and I do need. Because it's my whole seatbelt dilemma. Yeah. Because if um, I have the three-point seatbelts, so the seat is lower than my shoulder. Right. And it would go over my shoulder and then down to the anchor point. And I read somewhere that if you were to have an accident and the anchor point was below your shoulder behind you and the seat is lower as well, it basically pushes you forward and just literally crushes your spine. Okay, that's not good. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so... But then the flip side is I'm driving without seatbelts. Yes, so. it's still better to have a seatbelt than not have a seatbelt, isn't it? This is why you yeah. don't want to take any passengers, right? Because you don't exactly. have, have seatbelt. Um, what else did I see? I was doing – I think I sent the link. Yeah, I sent the link to Nick at Classic Series today. I was looking at 912. I remember there was this 912 that came up on one of the classic car sites. I can't remember what these sites are because, you know, there's, there's a few, classiccars.com yep. and classics got whatever they are. And there was a – I remember there was a 912 that came up in, the, in San Beige ages ago. And I thought, I wonder if that car's still available. And then I did a search and it came up on the classic site. It was still listed as being available. 
And I forget the price. And I thought, wow, that's actually cheap. Why did I think that was expensive? It was actually reasonably cheap compared to, you know, what the price they're going for now. So, of course, it was still on the classic site. Then I went to the actual site, which I think is in Italy. They didn't have that one. But, of course, they had something better. They had a 911. <laughs> they've, got, they've got a 911T. They've got a 911T uh, in blue, like this beautiful, beautiful blue, a 1970 911T. Uh, and it's fantastic, but I think it's maybe it's a hundred and twenty thousand US. Wow, hundred and twenty thousand oh, US. US or euro? Maybe it's euro. Oh, here it is. Here it's on. It was on classicdriver.com that I saw it, but it's at a, at a site called autoclass.com. I'll send you the link, Ajma, while we're talking. Uh, and it's. They don't actually have the price on the site. They have it on, oh, 120,000 US dollars, 99,000, 99,000 euro, 99,000 euro. So what would that be in pounds? There's a picture of it. I just sent it to you on WhatsApp. So have a look at that. But it's, you know, of course you're looking for something else. You're looking for a 912 and then you come across a 911T. And of course, 911Ts are just, you know, a different level and expensive. But I don't know. I really like that color, that that pale blue. It's almost like... Um, Messine is not Messine, Messine or whatever you call it, blue. It's almost, it's not as light, but it's a very, um, very nice yes, one. You see it? I mean, yep. It's nice, yep. right? <laughs> like, oh, my word. I know. It's like, <laughs> and it looks sorted and it's, I know it's 120, but it's like, oh, but it's sorted. You know, you don't have to do anything to it. Maybe, maybe it's okay. But 120 US for a sorted 911T from 1970. That's, that's not that not expensive. Massively, I mean, relatively speaking, well, it's not that expensive. It just depends on, you know, if it's outside my budget, is outside my well, budget. Kind of well, thing, the one, but. yeah, but the one I was talking about a few weeks ago on European Collectibles, you know, one of my favorite sites to like, you know, tire kick and look at, um, that was about 115. They had a silver 1970 911T. It was around about the same price, 115,000 US dollars. So it seems to be that's about the price, but I don't know, that blue one's pretty special. But isn't um, doesn't rent vehicle design have uh, a nineteen? Yeah. Uh, they, uh, it's um, a right hand drive nine twelve. That's yeah, one hundred twenty five thousand pounds. Original, original UK delivered though, isn't it? UK delivered yep. right hand drive nine twelve. Um, one hundred and yeah, one hundred twenty nine thousand pounds. Yep. I don't know what that is in US, but one hundred twenty nine thousand pounds. It's crazy. Um, they've still got that black one there for £55,000. And they've got the soft window target as they've well. They've got the they? soft window target. Yeah, no, I always I follow um, Simon Jessup on Instagram. Do you follow Simon Jessup? Oh, yeah, Jessup? I follow him. Yeah, I follow yeah, him. Yeah, if, if, if any of the listeners are listening and they don't follow Simon Jessup, go to his Instagram and follow. It's, he's got, he always has great images. He obviously does stuff for Rint because he's always taking photos mm. of their cars. Always great photos, always tempting. You know, you always see them and it's like, oh, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What else do you want to talk about today? Do you want to talk about um, uh, Ajmal sent me a, a, an idea today to talk about the evolution of Porsche ownership? I thought that was a good title, actually. Evolution of Porsche ownership. Well, for me, it's um, so when I started to think about Porsche, I, nothing else was on my radar apart from a 911, and I didn't care which one it was. It had to be a 911, and that was more to do with because of the experiment that I was doing where I bought my cheapest 911 in the UK. Um, but when now that I've spoken to so many more people um, who might have a, well, who might not have a Porsche and they, they, it's, they want to get one, 
um, or someone who's already got a Boxster or a, a 924 or something like that, and they want to take it to the next level, the ultimate is 911. Um, yeah, true. So, so when someone like uh, Magnus Walker says, well, actually, everybody should try the 924 because it's amazing, um, you, can, you can say, well, he's in a position to be able to say that, but yes. if you're on the journey to Porsche ownership, your ultimate goal is always going to be a 911 of some variety. And if you were to draw some kind of spider map, at the heart of that map would be a 911 or multiple 911s and everything else is either you evolve to them or you evolve to a 911 from them. Uh, so your journey is to or from a 911. Um, and I, I, I find that there's... Um, so when I when I speak to people who've, who've got things like, you know, uh, a Boxster, they've either had a 911, been there, done that, and gone, actually, I want something convertible. A 911, is, a, a Boxster is brilliant, which they are, uh, which is why so many of them are all over. But there's also the um, people who, who have a Boxster and they want to get to a 911. And this, I'm kind of, it's a, it's a, broad, it's a broad statement, but it's more to do with, um, people who are car people, man, woman, and everything in between, who might want to go, um, who are, who already know about cars and they know what it means to be on a journey with a Porsche. But if it's somebody who just walks into a dealership, has a bag of money, and they go, actually, I like the look of a box, I'm going to have that, I'm yeah. discounting them. I'm more talking about people who have a passion for those types of cars, yeah. and that's the journey they're on. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with boxes at all. They're a great car. Um, and yep. there's been quite a few owners on owners stories who wanted a Boxster. You know, they wanted a Boxster. Um, Jeff uh, from San Diego, he wanted a Boxster and he got himself a Boxster, you know, and I think that's great. See, my, my situation, you know, I haven't owned a lot of cars, really, um, you know, a handful of cars. And that's probably because I've always lived in, um, you know, in the city pretty much from when I left home and then I've always lived in, you know, central Sydney in the inner city. So there wasn't really need for a car as much. One, because parking is, was, was not easy uh, and those sort of things. Then I started buying cars, you know, um, you know, Hondas, Peugeots, uh, Audis, etc. But when I got to the point, I, you know, I refer back to Steve here because Steve had had 911s, you know, Steve and I've been friends for 20 years and, and Steve more than 20 years, actually, probably. And then Steve had, um, you know, the 964 as his first 911. And, and before that, he had an S3. He had an Audi S3. And I always thought that was a great car. And he had the S3. And at the time, I bought an Audi, a new Audi 1.8 Turbo, um, 1.8 T Turbo, whatever, because I couldn't afford the S3. You know what I mean? It was too expensive. I think my car at the time was like 50 grand and the S3 was like 75 grand. Wow. Um, as much as the S3 was a great car when it came out, the first generation, it was a fantastic car. You know, and then Steve got his Porsche. And then, you know, I always liked that Porsche. Uh, my brother had a had a Boxster temporarily. It was like a company car that wasn't his, but it was the owner of the company and he used to use it. And, and you know, I'd been in that a few times and I thought, wow, that's a great, you know, it feels great to be in a Boxster, 986 Boxster. Um, so when I was looking, you know, I'm, I was always looking for a 911. You know, I didn't, and I didn't think about getting a Boxster because... Um, I guess because when I was ready to buy the 911, I'd actually had the money already. I'd already saved the money and I paid cash for my car. You know what I mean? So I had the money and I bought it. And I kind of decided before I first started the, doing the videos on YouTube, mm. I probably seriously decided I was just going to do it and just, just go, you know, 
frigate, I'm going to do it. And that was probably a year before. And I just saved the money and just paid in cash. So the course of that, I knew I wanted the 911. I wanted, you know, I didn't always want a base Carrera. I would have been, I probably would have preferred a Carrera S. Um, but I couldn't get a Carrera S because the price was just that little bit too much. You know what I mean? I would have had to sort of dig in from somewhere else. So I still bought what I could afford, but I knew I wanted the 911. So that's what I bought. And I knew I also wanted... For a, for the Carrera, for that sort of 911, Ajmal, I knew I wanted the 997. The 996 really wasn't in my field of view. The only 996s that I liked were the turbos and the GT3s, but I left it too long. And even four years ago, the prices were still too high for what I could afford because I didn't want to get a loan. I just wanted to pay cash. Um, so my direction was there. See, now I've, now I've got the 911, and this is where a lot of people don't understand the 912 thing. I know you do because you own it and Nick does and... You know, um, and other people who have owned it, like uh, Stephen, that was on, you know, two weeks ago, on owner stories, um, and that's why I want something like a nine twelve or even a Boxster, you know, a Boxster as well, because it is that different experience. You know, it's still part of the family, but it is it is the experience. But I wanted to experience for me, it had to be a nine eleven first. I wanted to experience mm. a nine eleven. No, I, I I agree completely because, um, and for me, if I thought about it a bit more, maybe I would have gone. Uh, and bought a 9972 uh, because I did, um, but it but it was more a spur of the moment impulse buy kind of thing for me to to go and get a 911. Or same with the 912 actually, but um, but it was all, always that was on my radar. But when yeah. the the Boxster has got a bad rap because you know someone like Jeremy Clarkson on Top Gear said you know uh, and and that that stuck with the Boxster for a long time, you know. The general population, you know, 20 years ago were saying, oh, well, you're going to buy a Boxster because you can't afford a 911 or you're going to buy a, um, yeah. or you're going to buy a Boxster because you can't afford a Boxster S and Boxster S because you can't afford a yes. 911. But it kind of took away, it took away the fact that they are great cars in their own right. And if you, and if you, I mean, yeah. you know, when someone says to me, I've, people have said to me, oh, I've got the base 2.5 boxster and i really want a 911 and i you know i want to get rid of this and you and you're there going don't get rid of that car and end up with nothing and be left in the gap between because the, the fun that you're having in a 2.5 boxster cannot be replicated yeah. in a car you know that for the no. on the roads anyway if you were sat in a brand new gt3 for example you're not going to be able to put your foot down anywhere on that whereas you can properly exploit the performance and the joy of being in, in something like a 2.5 i'd love to drive one of those well this is what a lot of people say you know that, that you know that i know they get a bad rap but the 2.5 boxster and the 3.4 carrera 996 you know uh maybe that in you know, everyone wants the bigger engine, the newer model, the one mm. two years later that was a bit bigger in both. But it's not necessarily the direction to go in. You know, if you can find a 3.4996, you should just buy it. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with 3.4. And like you said, you know, you go through the gears. If it's a manual, if it's a Tiptronic, maybe not. But if it's a manual, you know, you can really, you know, get the most out of that motor. You know what I mean? And that's that's what's that's what's great about a 911. Um, the thing that Steve and I were talking about last week about, you know, speed everything, and it's it gets to that point where things are getting too fast. And I know a lot of people talk about this on various YouTube channels and motoring things and whatever, but, you know, with supercars, et cetera, uh, and even electric cars, you know, let's, when does the enjoyment, you know, the speed and enjoyment where they cross over, where does it, you know, when does it start to fall off really, really rapidly? You know what I mean? Yep. 
No, I agree completely because, you know, you're right. A lot of people are talking about it. Chris Harris was talking about it when he drove the GT3, the new GT3, and he, he settled on, well, 500 brake horsepower is just right. But, you know, he was, he was on a track when he said that. And for me, I've always said it from the moment I got my 911, and I always thought that if, um, and, and, you know, I drive my wife's Golf R, which is the Mark 7.5. So it does 0 to 16 under five seconds, something like 4.6. And Yeah, so you've got a comparison there, really. You've got a modern comparison. Exactly. And even though it's a smaller engine, it's a two-litre twin turbo, it's... It, it delivers the power so smoothly and it feels effortless for the car that you're not, you know, you don't feel like I'm really pushing this car hard. Um, so whereas with, with the Porsche, when, you know, when, I, when I'm redlining it, I'm hitting the rev limiter and I'm doing, you know, I'm heading towards 70 miles an hour in second. I really feel like I'm pulling it, you know, pushing it to the edge. Um, I wouldn't do it around the twisty bits because I'd probably end up in a tree, but um, but it, it yeah. really feels like first, second, third. You can really push it through the gears and just have that the noise, the smell, the the feeling of um, of something that can't be replicated in one of these modern cars that has so much power. True, true. And you know, if I was someone, you know, I don't have a Porsche. I come across your channel and I'm watching your videos where one you're in the 996 and two you're in the 912. I would be thinking to myself, mm, maybe I should get a classic 911. Maybe I should get a classic Porsche. Maybe I should get something older than the modern ones. Because even though, you know, the, even, you know, it's a left-hand drive, I know it's not right-hand drive, but watching you in that car, it's just, I don't know whether it's, you see it on your face, but it's the experience of it. You know what I mean? The experience just seems, it's a different experience. And I know you love your 996, but I think you love the 912 more. I, I do, because... I feel it's it's so much more involved. It's that thing that you can't, you have to give it attention. So the amount of times you've seen me in videos going, oh, I've gone for the wrong gear again because I wasn't paying attention. And then when I, and the amount of times I have to look down and think, <laughs> what gear am I in? Yeah. Because obviously it's dog it's like first. So you go, am I in second yeah. or third there? And I, I quite like that. I like that it makes me work for the pleasure that I get from it. And also, one of the things that I was thinking the other, uh, at the weekend when I drove it, and you'll probably get that on the video, the next video that I release, it was I was really pushing it hard. And at the same time, I was thinking, am I just going to make this engine explode? The temperature gauge doesn't work. I have no idea if it's boiling everything yeah. back there. But it's just fun. And it, 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 you know, it, it flies through the gears. But you can have the, the amount of fun that I can have without breaking the speed limit is immense. Uh, I, I feel like I'm not in any less danger than that's, I would be in a, doing 200 miles an hour. In a that's what I mean. These cars, like all the cars, like your 912, you know, Nick from the Classic Series 912, you know, Jack and, and you know, his Sunburn Lobster, his 911S and, and PJ with his 356, you know, and uh, I'm going to forget some people and... and uh, Mark with his, you know, Cassis Red 3.2 Carrera, you know, yep. all these cars, they're just, you know, and then Stephen is getting his, getting his 912 done by Prill, you know, and the yes. story about the other story that he had of that orange famous one, you know, and it's like, it, it's just yep. that experience. It's like, it's not, you know, and the fact that he went from the, from, you know, the 911 that he had and he wants something that, that is suitable to where he lives and to the roads that he has and, and all those things, it's important. You know what I mean? You still want the experience, but you don't need naught to 100 or naught to 60 in two seconds or whatever it is. You don't need these sort of cars. You just need an engaging experience. And, you know, Porsche provides that and it provides it on so many levels. 
And, you know, for us, you know, we wanted a 911. You might just want the Boxster, you know what I mean? But, it, you know, it it, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's 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 that engaging experience. I mean, you might buy a Boxster and like you said, next you'll want to, you know, you want a 911. And then you say the thing about Magnus Walker. I mean, Magnus Walker has experienced everything, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I think it's interesting with Magnus Walker because he's owned a lot of turbos, a lot of 930 turbos. <clears throat> and I remember watching something. It could have been an Instagram live or it could have been a video. I can't remember. And I remember he said of all the turbos, he wasn't so keen on the on the one that he bought from Australia. It wasn't his favorite. I don't know why, but he said it wasn't his Ooh. favorite. And that's the one that he painted in the bronze metallic color, the, you know, the copper bronze metallic. He had it respray. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I heard somewhere recently that apparently that's he's selling that car or it's been sold or it's up for sale. Um, and it, it must be interesting to talk to someone like Magnus Walker. It's like, why is that turbo? They're all around the same year. They're all 930 turbos. Is it because it was right-hand drive? I mean, it's so rare. He bought it because it was so rare because there was hardly any right-hand yeah. drives. And he got that through Waterhouse Hamilton in Australia, right? They organized that deal for him, I think. But... It'd be interesting from someone like him, like what is that nuance, the nuances of, of the difference between, you know, a 930 to a 930 to a 930. What is it that, that a particular car talks to you more than the other car? And that, I, I, uh, that is it's, it's a really good point because um, the, the way that I use my 912, and when I first drove it, I really did think, what have I done? I've spent this huge amount of money and it's awful. Um, because it would stall, it would, you know, shudder, it would idle really high. I could just feel the heat. I'd be sat and I could feel the heat from the engine on the yeah, back of my yeah. neck, and I'd be thinking, it's going to explode. And the first couple of times I drove it, I did go and, and open the deck lid, and I could hear the oil boiling in the, in the, in the bottle. And, and I thought, what have I done? You know, I'm never going to get that money back. It's just going to sit in a garage. My wife will be digging it out when I'm dead. Um, so, so, so my children will hate me because it's, you know, it's something that I've left them. But then, um, but then just a little bit of tweaking, you know, I got it to Flat 6 Jack. He did the, a lot of the basic stuff really yep. quickly and went, right, that's wrong with it. That's wrong with it. Yep, we'll fix that. And, and obviously, he, 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 you know, wisely said, go and drive it because the little things that you'll tweak are the ones that you find out as you're yeah, using yeah, it. True. You know, he can't he can't work all those out while it's sat in, a, in his garage. And as I started to do those, it started to come into its own. And when I when I put the electronic ignition in, I changed some spark plugs, HT leads, and I, I twiddled with the timing. And the first time I went out, it was transformed. And I must have smiled like some grinning idiot, you know, driving around the country lanes here because it was just, I could floor it and it just gave me such yeah. pleasure. You know, it was revving to 6,000 revs on a 55-year-old car. Yeah. And w when you think about, and, and I do that in my, I, I'm slightly, I think I'm slightly more terrified when I do it in my 996 because I think it's more likely to blow up and it's less <laughs> likely actually. <laughs> but but it, it's it's one of those things where it, it, it delivers on so many yeah. different levels um, that, all of those cars are massively underrated and, and I'd put the Boxster in there yeah, yeah. because the Boxster, it, it delivers on that and it delivers it, you know, do, doing the milk run. It delivers it See, every the box, day, wherever yeah, you're going. The Boxster is a good one. And I mean, I was talking to Nick at the Classic Series again, I'll mention Nick. Um, <clears throat> when I said, you know, I mentioned in a podcast about, you know, a Boxster is a really good good one to add, you know. And he's owned two, I think, two or three Boxsters, I think. Two Boxsters, I think he's owned. And he says they're great cars. You know what I mean? And that's someone that owns a 912. Um, but 
I don't know, you know, watching your videos, seeing Nick's images on his Instagram of his 912, seeing Jack's Instagram of his, you know, these cars, they have so much character, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't no, know whether it's, you know, do. it's age group or, or it's, it's outlook, but it's like you have the roads that are around you, they're a certain type of road, and those roads that you drive on, they remind me of some of the back roads in Australia, you know, they're kind of similar. They're probably a little bit narrower than some of the roads, you know, in Australia, mm. but you know, and I can see, and I, I watch your videos and I think, you know, I know people are telling me don't get a 912. Like my wife says, don't get one. Steve doesn't like them, you know, but I keep looking and thinking, no, I, I, this is what I want, you know? And if it's not the 912, it's like I said, it'll be a 7911, it'd be a 911 alternative, which is a lot more money, but that's, you know, I know I want it. There's, there's no, like, I don't want it. I know I want it, but I also like the idea of a Boxster think- if you can get one cheap, because it's that fun car. And I've spoken to so many Boxster owners. Yep. And they love them. They're fantastic, you know? And they, and they all see it as almost like, um, I don't have to worry about that car because it hasn't been a huge yes. outlay. And, you know, you know those, because I know lots of people who've got, you know, beautiful cars that they've got low mileage and they're immaculate. Yeah. And, and then you think, well, to enjoy it, you're thinking, actually, I'm devaluing it. I'm adding mileage. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I can't leave mm-hmm. it anywhere. And then you think that for me, for some of the people, it's different. For me, it detracts from the enjoyment. Uh, whereas my, you know, my old 912, and it's slightly similar with my MGB, but less so. Uh, I feel like it's got a character all its own, and no other 912 is like mm. it. And I love that because you can sit in somebody else's car. If I sat in in Nick's car, if I sat in Stephen's car, it'd be completely absolutely. different. Yeah, absolutely. But, but still brilliant. And I and I and I and I like them to wear their age. I'm not one to I'm not one to have pristine cars, and I love the fact that my 996 I can literally leave it anywhere. You know what? That would be a great thing to do. You know, Stephen uh, Stephen from Owner's Stories. People haven't listened to it. You know, with his green Irish green 912 that Pril um, Classic is is restoring. That would be a great thing for you and for Nick at the Classic Series. You know, you like if you have your three cars together to to feel the difference in each car, you know what I mean? As owners of these cars to, I don't know, to drive each one and just to see how different the three of them would feel because you've got one that's been done by, you know, Andy Pruill, who's like, you know, quite a legend. Um, Nick's one is really well sorted because it was well looked after and and, uh, Flat Six Jack has fixed it and then yours as well, you know what I mean? But they're they're all different. It'd be interesting to see how they they feel back to back, you know? Oh, gosh, yeah. And the, they'll because they're they're all slightly different because the way that Porsche made them and obviously you've got that stiff girls entity yeah, yeah. that you get and it always lists everything slightly different and they have so many variations of them, uh, which was bizarre because they were hand building them in a in a factory but yet they were still you could still choose option them in so many different ways, um, so I, I'd I'd love to I'd love to do that and I, I was actually messaging Stephen just the other day about this very thing. Uh, it'd be great to see his car. I liked, um, I just want to refer back to that because I still love that thing where he said like the wiring was so bad, like the wiring in his car, he, he said was just terrible. Um, and that's one of the things that Andy Pril is going to do. They're going to rewire the whole car, all the wiring. Yep. So, so mine is kind of a little bit, mine is a little bit like that. I wonder what the cost, I wonder what the cost of is just to rewire your car. Forget about the reconditioning, you know, the engine rebuild and that and he's doing the engine rebuild, but just to rewire it. So I don't know, that's something that I like the idea of that rewiring thing because it, it does cause, fi- there are, you know, fire risk and all those sort of things. It, it would be quite a good thing to do. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know how expensive the wiring oh. looms are on a 912 and how much work is involved, but... 
I think if you bought a ready-made wiring loom from Porsche, you're talking eye-watering amount of money. But there are, you know, these little cottage industries that you can go to and say, I've got a wiring loom. Here it is. Here's the connectors. Here's the the sizes, the 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 thickness of the wire and they'll just make one up for you. Yeah, because I'm sure people like Rint in the UK, I'm sure when they do these restorations on, on 911s and the 912s, I'm sure they replace the wiring. Surely they must do that because they do, they strip then, the whole car out. I see their Instagram all the time. They're always completely stripped out those cars they're working on. I mean, obviously there are hundreds of thousands of pounds to, to restore, I'm sure. I think there must be some authenticity conversation to have because, um, I mean, me taking mine, I'd be, I'd be, but yeah, just make one up. If it does the same job and it's brand new, yeah, why not? Someone else might go along and say, no, I want this car to be worth £200,000 yeah. in five years. I want it to be from Porsche. Yeah. But uh, And, and Rinse Vehicle Design, they make them to that standard. Yeah. So they must get some requests from you know people who handed their cars in saying, no, I want it to be all Porsche. But uh, but for me, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put whatever in there that, that makes it go yes. and, um, and, and looks kind of right. Um, I want mine to wear its age, but mine does have, it had very flaky wiring when I first got yeah, it. Yeah, I remember because, that. Because, yeah, yeah the, the stereo, which didn't really work, had uh, melted wires just coming from the lighter, so it was permanently on. Right. Uh, my, uh, the horn was permanently, the, the relay was open as well, so if you left the battery connected, it would die. Um, and I just worked that out by fluke. And some of the lights just completely didn't work. Right, so right. I had to just literally take out the connectors, clean them. And it was very satisfying to do. And much like um, doing the fitting the stereo, it took me about half an hour, or probably about 45 minutes um, when I got this new old stock Sanyo 70s one. Um, and I was so satisfied when I'd done it. And, you know, I posted yeah. this video of the Dire yeah, Straits playing on yeah. Instagram. And I remember after I'd done it, I came up and I showed my wife this video. <laughs> and she just looked at me. You know, when you look at, you, yeah. she's looking at me with pity. And she just said, you're such a nerd. <laughs> okay, so what is, the, what is the thing then? I mean, I think you've already answered it. But what is the thing that you, that you like the most about Porsche ownership? Um, so I'm new. So remember when we first spoke, uh, when I was on the owner's story, what's that? Number three, <clears throat> number three. Yes. Um, and, and I said to you, I'm not a Porsche guy. Yes. Because my experience of these cars up to that point was I'd been in one as a passenger and that was my friend's 993. Um, and oh he's on instagram drivers collective um and he's just bought okay. a new gt4 a G- oh, really? a gt4 i'll have a look drivers yep. collective okay yep um <clears throat> he's just taken delivery of his gt4 this nice. week came in. but they've got um, um the gt4s have an issue that's just come out has he got the 4.0 uh it must new be model. is this the Yes, the brand brand new one. Yeah. Did you read about it's, that? It's There's been new. a Porsche's suspended sales of new ones because there's some problem with the engine that they're going to have to do engine replacement on some of them. No. Yeah, true. I read it. I'll have to. Yeah. I'll have to ask him. He he's literally just had it delivered this week. Um, at the weekend, I think. Yeah, I, I there was some hold put on them. I saw it on Porsche on some Porsche news site. There was some hold put on them because there was something wrong with the engine on some a few of them, not a lot of them, but a few of them. 
Oh, interesting. Of the 4.0 in, for the Spider and the GT4 because it's the same engine. Yeah, same engine. I'll have to I'll have to message him and ask. Um, ask him. Yeah. Um, but my but my first experience of Porsche was going in his 993 in Bazali. That's left hand drive. Um, and other than that, nothing. And I'd never desired one. I'd never thought about owning one. And you know, in the 80s, do you remember those um, those posters that you could buy and framed pictures of yeah uh and you know you got you, you had the lamborghini countach you had the ferrari testarossa and you had the porsche turbo yeah with the whale yeah. um and I, and I remember i had one and i and i uh had those those three posters um but i never really thought about much as i would about countach or a testarossa that i would own one yeah see it's like thinking about ferraris right i don't think you know, I like Ferraris, and I've said it before. I do actually like Ferraris. Would I ever, will I ever own one? At this point, I think probably not. Even though probably not a new one. Maybe I'll own an old one if there's one cheap enough. Um, you know, like the GT4 Dinos or the the 328 GTS. You know, they're reasonable money. With Porsche, it was kind of the same thing. There was a guy that I used to work with who I was friends with for some time in Sydney, and his uh, his sister was a jeweler in Sydney, quite a well-known jeweler. And she always owned Porsches. And I always remember this in the, it must be the, I remember she had a 964. That was the first one I remember seeing. I didn't know it was a 964 then. I just remember she had a 911. And I thought, wow, that's a really nice 911. And then I remember she sold it and she had this other 911, which was like more rounded. She bought them new, right? She was quite wealthy. And that was a 993. And all I remember at the time was thinking, hmm, I think I like the 993 shape better. You know, and I remember thinking, you know, that 911 looks a lot better than the other one, you know, but I didn't really know much about them. And then I remember looking, you know, car dealers in Sydney, they'd be in the window and you just look at them, but I didn't really know much about them. Um, and I'm the same sort of experience. And the first time I went in a 911 was actually with Steve in his 964. And the first oh, wow. thing, the, the main memory of that drive in the 964 was him flooring it up a hill at the back of um, Sydney, in the back of Rushcutters Bay in Sydney. And I remember the car feeling like, wow, this has got a lot of power. It's a very, very powerful car. The other experience uh, I was in business or worked with in Sydney, a guy, he bought a 911T. And he bought it in 1998. He bought it in 1998. He paid 35000 for it. And it needed some work. And it was a blue one. Um, and I remember being in that. And that felt completely different, you know what I mean? That was just a completely different experience. Um, and I remember he always used to, and I've said this on the podcast before, he'd always break down. He lived on the north side of oh. Sydney in Kalara, and he'd always break down on the Harbour Bridge, always in a really bad spot because of something to do with the accelerator pedal and something, he used to always call it the rubber band. He said it's broken again, yeah. and it'd always break down. But, you know, that car wasn't as sought after then, you know, in the early 2000s. It wasn't as sought after. Um, obviously now it is, but, um, and that was pretty much it for Porsche. You know what I mean? That was pretty much yeah, it. I mean, I used to see them driving around Sydney, of course, but I'd never thought I could afford one. And I think that was, that was the same for me. Maybe they were so far off my radar because I thought I'm, ne- I'm never going to be able to afford one. And just having the argument with my friend about how affordable they'd suddenly become because of the 996, uh, a 911 specifically, that, um, I just went out and got one and it was kind of, you know, people talk about man maths. It wasn't even that it was, um, it was more the, um, 
I don't like that term for some reason. Um, but it was more the it was more the fact that I thought, do you know what? I've I've looked. I've had a quick look on eBay. I've had a quick look on uh, Auto Trader, and I know that I can get one that if I wouldn't, it wouldn't be catastrophic if something went wrong. Um, and as it turned out, I got it for a much better price than I thought I would. Then because when I went to see it, it was kind of you know fifty percent more than I actually paid for it. Yeah. Um, so it made it even more compelling. And when, when I did get it, you know, and it's like Jack keeps telling me, you know, dr- you drive it like you stole it. Uh, because I, I, I know that I can just fully enjoy it. And everybody always says, well, why do you drive it like that? But like I've always said, it's, that's what it's made for. And yeah. the, the, the thing that's been most surprising about be- joining the Porsche community, because I'd only just joined it when, when I first appeared on, on a stories, it was the community. Because the the first pushback I got was I I joined a forum and a few people messaged me directly, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? These cars are very delicate. They need care. You're just being an idiot and stuff like that. They're not delicate, though. Exactly. But that that was the initial. And I just thought, oh, my God, what have I done? You know, and then um, a few people just came out and said, you need to do a YouTube channel. We all want to hear what happens to this car. Uh, So I went ahead and did that, you know, with some terrible tech to begin with. Um, but after that, it's literally been nothing but positivity, encouragement from everybody, people reaching out and saying, I want to do that. You know, there's a few people who reached out and said, oh, my God, I've missed the boat. Yeah, you, you yeah. know, you've done these videos to say everybody go and buy a 911, but yeah. the, we've missed the window. Yeah, well, it's getting very, very short. It's getting smaller and smaller by the day, isn't it? That's a problem. Mm. You know, what are people going to buy? What is what is going to be the the nine eleven that people are going to buy? Is it going to be the nine nine one? Are people going to get the nine nine one at a price like nine nine sixes? I don't think so. Yep. You know what I mean? I think that price of nine nine sixes when they went really, really low, is long gone. And you know, it was an opportunity, and we we kind of all missed it. You didn't miss it because you pick one up, but we kind of did miss mm. that opportunity. Um, and I know in Australia, like I've mentioned so many times before, and I know I mentioned it last week, and people are getting sick of me probably mentioning this. But even this week again, I saw another one come up, like eighty-eight thousand, you know, Australian dollars. And like I said, to me, that's to me, I still see that as nine nine seven price in Australia. You know what I mean? Because that's mm. what I paid for mine. Yeah. I still see it as a nine nine seven price. Um, but it's not. It's a nine nine six price now. You know what I mean? You know, yep. so it's it's getting harder for people to get into the brand. It really is getting harder and harder unless you've got you know a bit of cash you know, stashed away. Um, but I think that's what it is. You know, it's, it's, it, it is about the ownership. You know what I mean? It is about the community. Um, it's not just about having the fastest or having an S or having a GTS. I mean, I love how Porsche do all these variants. You know, I know they've got to do all the variants. They've got to make the money, Ajmal, but it kind of does put it in a hierarchy of, you know, what you own. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. at the top of the ladder and you're at the bottom. And I know everyone that owns Porsches are not like that. You know what I mean? Uh, I know people, not everyone is like that. I know some people are, but not everyone. Um, and I think that's a bad way to be because everything is a 911. Everything is a Porsche. It doesn't matter mm. if you've got a base Carrera or you've got a GTS or you've got a GT3 or a GT2 RS. It's, it's the same passion. You know what I mean? It's the same community. It's the same passion. And it should be that way. You know what I mean? It should be. Yep. Yeah. Someone did a, someone did a little clever um comparison which i've never thought to do actually so when i bought mine and i think everybody knows now i, I paid six and a half thousand pounds for mine two years ago so cheap. it's a, it's a 1998 uh carrera two-wheel drive coupe manual. how much could you sell it for now uh i've, I've been offered 
Uh, no, no, it's not. It's, no? it's you know, it's very rough <laughs> looking. Uh, I, you know, people have offered me more than ten. I've been offered twelve, but okay, uh, that's by somebody who hasn't seen it. Okay, so you know, you've got no no idea really. You know, it's 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 in a decent state. It's it's fun to drive. Everything works on it, um, but it's just it's it's quite rough. Um, and now people are thinking, well, actually, does it matter that it's rough? Actually, maybe that's even a benefit if it just drives properly and someone spent a lot of money sorting it out. Yeah. Um, but the um, but the thing that I always think about is, you know, when I when I went to get it and I paid that six and a half thousand pounds, I remember having that thought of they just cannot get any cheaper than this. This no. has to be no. the lowest price. Um, and you know, even people who have who've turn their nose up at a Tiptronic, you know, if now a £7,000 Tiptronic came up, I'd, I'd say buy it. Um, but they're, they're not. They're not coming up. No, they're That's not. The but the enjoyment that you've got, got out of that car for 6500 and you haven't really have to spend that much money on it, really, have you? You know what I mean? And uh, touch that, wood, and, no. No, touch wood. And the enjoyment that you've got out of it, it's, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. It really is crazy because oh, you don't and like, you know, yeah. It's, it's, it's silly because... When I drive it, in, and you know, when in, in COVID times, there's hardly ever been anybody a passenger with me. I used to go out to you know coffee shops and brunch and things like that with my daughter on a Saturday morning, and we, that was our thing. But you know, everywhere closed, so we stopped doing that as well. But when I do go out, and it's the milk run, always the milk run, and when there's a stretch of road, because I always go to the same place. It's slightly out out of the way, well, it's quite a lot out of the way, but it's down country lanes. And, you know, I come out onto the main road and if it's clear, I'm smiling before I put my foot down because it's yeah. brilliant. But it's um, weird though, you, you know, I, and I'm not trying to pin pinhole you here or put you into a group, but I, I always, for some reason, I think the 996, it's somehow it, it suits you. It does actually suit you. And then the 912 generation or even a 911 of the same era, the 70s 911, I think it really suits you as well. For some reason, I, I, I think of... I don't know why. I think of the, you know, like an 80s Carrera with the whale tail. I don't think that is yours, isn't the 9... I don't think that's a 911 that really suits you as well. And I don't know why, but I just don't think it does. And I guess it's for me as well. I I mean, I like the 356, but I don't think the 356 would suit me. I don't think it's something that, you know, I would feel comfortable in, even though I I do actually like them now. Um you know, a 70s 911 or 912, I think I could, you know, I think it works. Um, it, it's kind of weird, you know, like you think about, I don't know, I don't know what I'm getting at actually, but it's just, you know, I don't think, I don't know. I mean, so I don't think I, I don't think I suit a convertible. I don't think I could drive a convertible, put it that way. A convertible is not so really me. A Targa maybe, but not really a convertible. Because yeah. one of the things, I mean, thinking about when you are talking about Ferrari before, um driving a red ferrari of any era <laughs> it will always always say something about you don't you think yeah, it always says something about somebody yeah. you know i love the thought of driving one would i own one would i want to and and it's you know steve coogan when he was on top gear yeah and he was test driving a ferrari and i i, I think it might have been a 550 i don't know um and clarkson was in something like a dbs right and coogan said i think that a Ferrari is better in every single way. Yes. But which one would I want to be stuck in traffic? Yeah, that's and he true. Said, because I feel like people will be 
<laughs> pointing the finger at me and going, yeah, you true. wanker, <laughs> in a Ferrari. True. Whereas people would be, you know, look thinking, wow, what a great car in an Aston Martin. Yeah. And, and for me, what, for certain Ferraris, I mean, that's why I always prefer, sorry, I prefer, you know, like the more... <laughs> I say understated, but they're not really understated, are they? You know, like things like the 575 Maranello, to the listeners who know what that is, you know, that, like I said, the GT4 Dino, you know what I mean? Which yep. is under the radar, which I know Magnus Walker did an episode on Haggerty's about it, um, which is quite a good episode, actually, that got, you know, the under under the radar sort of cars, that epi- that series he's doing on Haggerty's on YouTube. Um, and I think the GT4, those sort of ones are fine. But you're right, a red GTS or a red Ferrari, a new Ferrari, and it's the same in Sydney, you know, you've... It's not comfortable. I don't think it's comfortable to drive that car. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and also the the thing about, you know, that the 996 suits me and the 912 does and, and you know, an 80s narrow, small body, um, a 911 or a 70s one um, with the impact bumpers, I'd yes. be okay with that because they, they have a unassuming understatedness of them, even though they're they are a Porsche and they are a 911 yes. because yes. Uh, we're a 912 as well. And because it's because they don't shout. And I, I'm not one of those people who would own uh, a, a GT3, not own, uh, a, you know, mm. a, a 991 or a 992 or anything like that. I'd love to experience them, but would I want um, I something the GT3 worth is okay. so much money? Mm, I, I yeah, think true, it, true. Uh, yeah, and would I want something that because I want to fully exploit and use what I've got, and I never want to worry about it because yeah. I think that takes for me personally. That's a very personal thing. I feel like it takes away some of the enjoyment if you're worrying about things like getting a scratch, putting mileage on. Yeah, I don't want to worry about that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You don't want to worry about things like that. I think you know, I, I appreciate the new GT3s. I'm still not convinced on the wing. Like I said, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're amazing to drive, and it'd be great to drive one. Um, GT3 for me stops, you know, 997, maybe 991.2 is, I still like those body shapes. Um, and also the price is better, but mm. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, I say I don't like convertibles and I don't like cabriolets, but you know, I, I do actually like the idea of the Boxster. And I mean, I guess that is, that's the same thing. So it's a bit weird, but it's well, the Boxster I, to me feels different than having a cabriolet. I don't think I could drive a cabriolet, but I think I could drive a Boxster. Cause the, uh, the thing about the Boxster is. It was always made to be a convertible. It's not. Uh, it's yes. not a different type good of point. car pretending yeah, good point. to be. Yep. Because because a, a nine eleven convertible it changes the characteristics of the yep. car and the type You're of right. car it is and the, and the look is it's not as um, pleasing on the eye as a Boxster shape wise uh, convertible nine eleven. Yeah. I think. In saying that, the new the new Cabriolets are. I think. I think the new Cabriolets from the nine nine one to the nine nine two. I think you know the shape of that roof and the way Porsche has made it even tighter and tighter and more streamlined. I think it's you know it's quite it's quite a beautiful looking car when the when the roof is up and the roof is down. I think the nine nine sevens, nine nine sixes, they look they look good for the time. But when you see the newer ones now, yep. you can see Porsche's just finessed at that little bit more, and it's mm. just you know they're they're always aiming for perfection each time. You know these little incremental changes. And when you get to the end, you go, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. I see what they've been trying to do, you know, and it takes a yep. few years, but they do actually get there. Same as the interior. You know, they knew the issues they had with the interior. But as you know, with car manufacturing, you can't just change something straight away. It takes a generation or a couple of generations to get there. Um, and I think yes. with the new 992, I think they've done a really good job with the interior. I really do. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I think you got, you and Steve touched on this the other week because I've been having this argument with my brother who is a big fan of Apple products. And, you know, I wear an Apple watch because I wanted the blood oxygen monitor that it has. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I wear an Apple Watch. But, but uh, you know, but do you? I'm surprised. <laughs> no, I um, don't. <laughs> but Sorry, I'm, well, a joke. Well, 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 the thing is, I'm, I'm going to buy wearing, Timex though. I'm definitely going to buy Timex and put it on Instagram the, for that person's comment, whoever that was. The, <laughs> well, I would. Um, so I'm not uh, an Apple fan per se, but you know, I have an iPhone and I have this watch because I wanted a particular functionality that it has. But my what my day watch day-to-day daily watch is uh, an Omega Seamaster and oh, my yeah. brother nice. always um, and I love that watch I've had it about 17 years yeah, great watch um, and my brother said to me well all of these uh, one of my friends said to me sorry they're just uh, a chunk of metal it's a waste of money now mm. and and I said to him so that's 17 years old and it still exactly serves the purpose that I bought it for and it's worth more than double or triple what I paid for yeah. it as a yeah. brand new thing from the shop and and I said this thing is going to be obsolete in two years, yeah, forced true. obsolescence. So when they build tons of technology into a mm. car, you know, I've got maps, I've got all sorts in you know my wife's golf car, but they're already clunky. I use everything off my phone. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Even that you know that new Ferrari. I was watching Jay Leno last night on the new Ferrari that he was driving owned by the david lee the ferrari collector and you know it's all screens and you think well, mm. how's this going to age you know ferraris age pretty well i think how's this going to age you know what i mean it's going to be a tricky yeah. one it's going to be a tricky one um but speed amigas are great watches you know just back onto watches for a second i have an amiga speedmaster Moonwatch, and i've had it Ooh, for I 20 like speedmaster yeah and i've had it for it's an old one it's a 70s i think it's mid 70s or late 70s one um and, you know, I haven't serviced that watch once. And I know that people who are watch, you know, collectors are going, oh, my God, you haven't serviced that watch. But I like the fact that I haven't had to service that watch. It's been so reliable. Other watches I have, I won't name the brand, the Italian brand, I've had to service them like every four years. They just stop working. Oh, you know what I mean? Wow. And you know, a service on a watch is like a service on, you know, it's a thousand pounds or, you know, 500 pounds, 700 pounds, depending on the watch. It's not cheap. Yes. So mine is the the quartz one. So I always wanted a, an Omega Seamaster, okay. that particular one, but I wanted obviously the, the automatic. Um, but an ex-girlfriend bought it for me and I didn't have the heart to say to her, it's not the one I want. It's <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> and, and, you know, she went out of her way because I just looked at the shop window once and went, oh, I'd love that. And uh, so she bought it for me and I didn't have the heart to tell her. And <laughs> all, the, all, all this time I've had this watch. But because it's the it's the quartz one, so they've stopped making it. Yeah, yeah. Which is why it's worth three times what it was yeah, when it was no, new. It's still a great watch. Still a great watch. Yeah, exactly. And I still love it. I still love the look of it, the feel of it. Um, but again, it's the forced obsolescence and touchscreens. I have a real problem with touchscreens in cars. Yeah. I have a problem like, with, like I mentioned before, though, the haptic buttons that they're putting into cars now. You know, all the, the touch buttons, the haptic buttons on, the, on yes. the steering wheels. They're going to be so troublesome in years to come. They're going to, you know. There's going to be issues. But also the the menus are becoming so complicated because I remember in my old 2001 Golf Mach 4, so it was a V5, I loved that car. But whenever I needed to just the air conditioning, the volume, the CD, the station on the radio, I just knew where it was. I didn't have to look down. I would just feel where it was, press it, on the motorway anywhere. And now on, on my wife's Golf, when I reach for something and you hit a bump and you press something else instead... Then you go. I don't know how to get back from that screen. Yeah, I don't like. I don't like getting. You know, I don't know. For me, I, I like getting into the Porsche. And you don't have to set anything. 
you know. I yes. don't know. I like that thing where you just get in. You know, you have to put the air conditioning off or on or whatever. <clears throat> you know, I normally have the radio off and that's it. You know, it's just about mm. driving and I like that. In fact, I hardly listen to music in my car now. I just listen to, I just have the window down a bit and I just drive and I really enjoy that. That's what's really good about so um, the purity of the 9-11. I agree completely with that. I, it must be about a year now since I've had the stereo on in the car. Um, I used to have it on uh, when I was sat in traffic. Yeah. But because we're not in traffic anymore and I only ever go out to in our country lane to drive, I can't remember the last time I had it on. I've yeah. been on long journey, 60 miles, miles and not turn the radio on because I've yeah. just not needed it. Just want to enjoy the car. Yep. And and I still do that thing where, where there's a little tunnel that I have to go through. Yeah, uh, no. and, and I always have the window. Open. Tunnels and ramps. Tunnels and ramps yeah. are the best then, thing in the 9-11. The only problem with the little tunnel is that... Um, there's a little footpath alongside one okay. side of it, so people walk through it. And there's always someone with a pushchair and a child in there. And I, I don't want to be that guy. That you're that guy. You're the hoon. Yeah. You're the hoon, as we call it in the 911 in the Porsche. Exactly. So I always try and um, yeah. you know be be respectful. But it's one of the many facets of owning one, and, and the joy that you can get from it is one of those. Just just listen to the sound of it. Absolutely. And I feel like. The 996 and my 912 deliver on all of those. There's never a point where I'm not thinking about the fact that I'm in a 911 or I'm yeah. in a 912. Yeah, it's, a, it's um, an experience. It really is an experience. Absolutely. Ajmal, I think we're at the end. We've gone a little bit over time here tonight. I haven't been watching the time. Oh, but, uh, oh wow. Yep. We've given people, we've given the listeners a long one today. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Ajmal, is there anything you want to uh, share with the listeners before we go? Um, I wanted to thank everybody who's responded. So I don't know if you saw it on Instagram, but I, I'm thinking of doing a logo and, and a T-shirt and uh, yeah. and just giving a few away. Uh, and uh, P997NYC has sent me some really good ideas. Yeah. He's a nice guy. He's a nice he's guy. A really, really nice guy. And he's given me some great ideas on how to do it because, because you know, uh, Jack's put some stuff on Instagram where he's he's – yeah. Got merchandise. I meant to say I uh, want one of those T-shirts and I didn't actually send him a message. I have to send a message. I want to get one well, of those Well, I sent him a message. Uh, and, well, I spoke to him and uh, he said, oh, he just put, he had a few printed up and he they literally went. And then he said, now the problem he's got is from, there's lots of people contacting him from US and, and uh, Todd from Stone City Outlaw <laughs> contacted me and said, oh, can really? you ask him if I can get these? And it's a great T-shirt. It's a great T-shirt. I mean, there's, it really is. I think what you should do, though, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie in there with with that comment because I read that comment today where he said just do it with your flat cap and take the writing off. Mm. I think you should have the writing. I think the writing. I think maybe you can separate it though, and maybe the writing is on the on the back of the T-shirt, through the center or on the shoulders, and then on the front is the cap, and then on the back is flat cap driver, and you do it in that. You do it in the. There was a brand in the in the. There was a brand in the early 2000s called Glory Motorcycles, and a lot of people oh, yeah. copied Glory Motorcycles. Um, but I think you should put it on the back. I think you should have the cap See, on, on the front. On the, on, so I was going to have the little cap logo and with flat cap driver written underneath it on, on yeah. the front. And add London to it. London. <laughs> well, I wasn't England. going to do that. But on, on the back, I was going to have variations of uh, flat cap driver, um, the milk run. Yep. Um, and, and just different things that I could you should do it from there should do it um but but with jack the problem he's having is is in the u.s he's um he's saying i can't ship to the u.s so he's now looking for people in the u.s to print them for him and oh, ship okay. them from there well the you know the person to get 
the person to get t-shirts done in the US is to, is to contact, I don't know whether Jack's listening, um, and they're probably not cheap. Um, period Correct, the guy that owns Period Correct, I know he makes, I think he makes the t-shirts for Triple Zero magazine and the caps because I've bought a Triple Zero Ooh. cap. And I've also bought stuff from Period Correct, um, and I know they're the same. And his T-shirts are pretty good. I've got one of his T-shirts, which I bought from the US and paid a lot of money in VAT with all the stuff that came in. Um, but he'd be a good one to do it because he, he knows, you know, he's got a lot of style to him, that guy. He's a really, I, I really like what he's doing. And uh, his product now is actually sold, Period Correct. People should check it out. If you're in the UK, it's also sold now at End Clothing. End Clothing is actually selling Period Collect T-shirts. Um, before you have to buy them from the US, and if you're in the UK, you have to pay VAT. So you can actually buy them from um, End now. Ajmal, we've gone over. I think we're going to call oh, it sorry, a day. Yes. I think you should do the T-shirts. Um, if anyone is interested in a flat cap driver T-shirt, send Ajmal a DM at flat cap driver on Instagram, or comment on his YouTube channel. Make sure you follow him while he's there. But get him excited about these T-shirts, and 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 if you haven't reached out already, tell him you want a T-shirt, and he can then work out how many to make. Yes. I do need some help on that because um, that's I was a initially going to, yep, initially I was going to give them away, but I don't want them to be rubbish. And then I thought, oh my God, what have I done? Okay. Ajmal, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an honor to be on the 100th Postbook podcast. It really has. Uh, I couldn't think of, uh, well, I can think, you know, I appreciate everyone <laughs> being on the podcast, but I was going to say, yeah. And I want to say thanks to Steve again. I mean, it's a shame Steve isn't here tonight. And uh, but like I said, I couldn't have uh, I couldn't have kept up the hundred episodes without Steve uh, being the co-host, even though he doesn't think he's a co-host. Um, so I do thank Steve for, for that. And thanks, Ajmal. Been great hundredth episode. Um, hopefully, there's more to come. Like I said, everything has to change. Um, nothing lasts forever. But that's about it. Shall we go? Thank you. Thank you. Let's do it. I think it's All time, right. time for my bed. Yep. All right. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, that's Ajmal. Um, my name is Michael Bath. Go and follow Ajmal at Flatcap Driver. And you can follow me at Porsche Cooled on Instagram. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>